Welcome back to 40 in a Podcast. We know you have a choice in podcasts and you didn't pick this one on purpose, but we appreciate your business. Tonight, we're going to rattle off about some random things, but our main topic is overrated bands. With me always is Josh. Hello, everybody. And Josh, what are you drinking tonight is the big question. Oh, hold on. Let me... Uh, I uh, went to go visit some family in Louisiana over the weekend, and they sell a beer there that I really enjoy. It's East Coast beer that I can't oh, no. get in Texas. Oh, no. so I'm drinking some Yingling tonight. I brought back a brought back a case of this stuff, so your boy over here ain't drinking as much as he used to. So it might take me a while to drink all this, but I'll drink it with a smile on my face. It's quite tasty. I do enjoy it. I'm drinking something from someone I've never heard of. I guess Blackwater Brewing. Okay. Uh, random HEB six pack kind of thing. Right. Contract killer, their coffee porter. Because if you're going to oh. name a coffee porter or anything, you name it contract killer. <laughs> I'm kind of lost on the coffee porters, man. It's like, I get it. And it's, a, it's, that's a once in a while thing for me. That's not something I could do regularly. I like the porter, but I'll be honest, I've tasted more coffee porters. You can shake a stick at. I couldn't tell the difference between all of them. I can't tell you how often I'm shaking sticks at coffee porter. I can't tell you how often I'm shaking sticks, you know, <laughs> kids, adults, anybody that comes near me while I'm hammered, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You're going to be a fun old man to be around shaking your cane at people. I want I the can... one with the fire on it so I can just, you know, like, it looks like I'm going fast. There you go. The, the Guy Fieri special. Oh, if I can have that haircut and, you know, die <laughs> job too, you know, might as well go with it. I can't wait to see what Guy Fieri looks like when he's 80. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be the exact same as he does now, just a little more wrinkles. He's somehow going to hold up. I know. He hasn't aged in the past. What's he been on TV? Like 15 years now? Pretty much. He hasn't aged much. Anyway, speaking of being on TV for the last 15 years, you watch anything good lately? Movies or otherwise? I haven't seen a lot, a lot of new movies, and I'm definitely stuck in the um, superhero comic book stuff. Well, that's like all that's on Netflix, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's other things on Netflix. I Well, I'll get to that in a second, but... The one, like, here's my kind of bitch and praise of Marvel. I watched uh, the hundredth episodes of Marvel's Agents of Shield. Yep. And I tweeted about it. That's how good it was. And it was, it was just a, it was a myriad of cliches and bad tropes and things they're doing over and over again. I'm sitting there watching an episode, and they're just deciding who gets to die, like who, who gets to do the flame and glory. It's like you can't do that. You can't go. And nobody ever offers up. It's just, it's a, it literally is a bad trope. And then they end it with a wedding to make everybody feel better. And then like, it's not, it's not very good TV. Right. And I, I've gone through four seasons to figure that out. So I feel a little cheated. I've not watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've seen Luke Cage. I've seen Daredevil. I've seen Punisher. I really like The Flash. I know that's not Marvel, but yeah. um, I haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There's some of the other marvel stuff on netflix i haven't watched just because it doesn't interest me yeah well agents of shield it's like it's not in the netflix kind of arena like the rest of marvel they're dark and gritty this oh, okay. is more it's campy at times <clears throat> it's kind of like rehash stuff and it's they, they kept it there because they were trying to spin off the movies and make a tv brand and it just they haven't yeah. figured out to kind of give up on it but on the flip side of that coin i binge watched jessica jones and yeah pretty good yeah Still very on the lines of the very same thing. They definitely, you know, went into some other character arcs, got a little more interesting with it. Really just, it didn't poise it for that dramatic third season. Like, 
you have to watch or you want to or versus you want to watch it's more of a you want to watch a third season because it left it here's all the ways they can go not just a dramatic cliffhanger you want to know what happens next because you're interested not because they just they stopped mid-sentence oh okay so no i give it high praise and everything like that as good as the first season yeah pretty talented Hmm. might have to watch that what about you what have you been watching lately Uh, Josh is finally catching up on some movies. Um, man, I, I just, I don't go to the theater anymore. Like I'll go see star Wars. If there's, you know, a bond movie that's coming out, I'll go see that or something I'm super mm-hmm. interested in. Like the franchises are just, I really love, um, like I'll go see Creed two when that comes out probably. But aside from that, I don't get to the theater much. Um, I finally saw, we rented, uh, the disaster artist. Oh yeah. Oh man. Cause I, I think that was, that was like one of the original 40 in a movie nights was the room. Man, that that movie is so horrible, and I think there's a lot of people that were not aware of the room that don't understand that this is a movie that actually happened. Like it's a real thing. Um, but man, James Franco was pretty amazing in that yeah. movie. Like he he was every interview and everything I've seen with Tommy Wiseau, who's the guy who wrote and directed the room. Franco is exactly like him. Like it's it's eerie almost. Um, but it was really good, super entertaining. If you haven't seen The Room, I would recommend watching that first before you watch The Disaster Artist. And don't turn it off. Watch it all the way through. No, it yeah, might be hard parts. Watch the whole thing. Watch the whole thing. And then if you're still interested in it, watch the Riff Tracks version of The Room because uh, those guys absolutely beat the garbage out of that movie. It's it's pretty great. Uh, I also finally watched It, the one I they released last year. That. Really? Yeah. It's, I mean, um, uh, I know it, this is, it's, it's hard to talk about because you have to keep saying it in order to talk about anything. So, yeah. um, who was Pennywise in the first one? Uh, Tim, uh, Tim Curry, Tim Curry, as much as I love Tim Curry's Pennywise, which is probably the best thing about the, the it movie from what was it? 1990 or 92 or something like that. Yeah. Man. Was it Peter Sarsgaard in the new one? Dude. <laughs> it, it takes quite a bit to get me uncomfortable in a movie because I can't separate. Yeah, I, I have to put myself in the movie in order for me to get like bothered by it. And I can't do that easily. You know, just watching crazy stuff growing up or whatever that I probably shouldn't have been has kind of calloused me to that, I guess. Yeah. But dude, Pennywise made me uncomfortable in this movie. Like a lot. <laughs> so I'm pretty good. I really can't wait to see how they finish it up because it is a two-part thing and uh they made it a two-part like the so does it follow the original first vhs of the movie no um well i mean i guess like where where they have to come back as adults and then kill the kill it again yeah but it's it's a lot more true to the book from what i understand that's one of the big stephen king novels that i haven't read i've read a lot of the big ones but, you know, as far as like The Shining and Christine and Salem's Lot and all that kind of stuff. But from what I understand, this is a lot closer to the book, which they're, they've got a lot more freedom to do since they're not producing all these for TV movies anymore. There was some contract that gave all the rights to Stephen King novels, I think, to just be TV movies. Which, oh, is, why yeah. you get, which is why you get stuff like Tommyknockers or... Langoliers. <laughs> oh man, there was a lot. There were so many bad ones, dude. There yeah. were so many bad ones. Uh, and that first version of it was not great. 
Uh, I was like super excited for the remake of The Shining, and it was not great. It was just like six hours long and miserable. So go watch the um, the Stanley Kubrick version. Go watch that yeah. if you want to watch one. But I don't know why I'm going to do this myself, but I feel the need to watch Justice League just so I can be disappointed and move on with my life. I just I haven't heard anything great about it, but for some reason I feel like I need to watch it just because I had to suffer through Batman v Superman. Yeah, I mean the the way I describe DC is like, and well, I was gonna say I've said this in previous podcasts, but none of those none of those made it as an episode. <laughs> I know. So so basically, I watch Batman v Superman in vain. Thanks. <laughs> no, no, it, it helps for the future, especially if you're gonna watch Justice League. It helps even more there. Well, I wasn't gonna, but I already watched Batman v Superman. See what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, no. Uh, DC is a DC is better as their animated series. I think they're under better direction there than not. They fall under the radar, whereas you know they they don't have to make billions of dollars. If they make tens of millions of dollars, which they do, they'll do good by those because they don't cost. Yeah. They they're expensive because they're animation, but they don't cost the same amount of marketing appeal and everything. Excuse me. So with the DC thing, it's just that they want it's a cash grab, so it's never well, right. going to work out. And it and just plus won't. You're, you're doing stuff like paying Ben Affleck to be Batman as opposed to paying Kevin Conroy to be Batman. I'm not dissing Kevin Conroy because I love the man and his work, but it costs a lot less money to get Kevin Conroy to voice Batman than it does oh, for Ben yeah. Affleck to act it. Part of me always, part of me always wished that like Kevin Conroy in any way, shape, or form like looks like Batman, because <laughs> that would be my like if I get. No, he's just him. a he's just a tall, skinny nerd. <laughs> oh yeah, or Mark yeah. Hamill is a Joker, but actually, Mark yeah. Hamill looks like he could do the Joker just a little bit. Dude, I think he could be an on-screen Joker. I totally yeah. think so. He did the trickster in the cartoons. And then a bunch of, bunch of Justice League cartoons. Yep. Did the trickster in the original Flash show with um, what's his name that plays uh, Jake Garrick on the new Flash show. And then he was oh, the yeah. trickster on the new Flash, the show. new Flash show, which I really like that Flash show, by the way. Um, I'm I, I'm getting a little annoyed by things. I, well, I haven't I seen. That. I have to wait to watch it on Netflix, so I haven't seen like the newest season. But uh, the last one I enjoyed. It, it reminds me a lot of Smallville. And it's as cheesy as Smallville is. I used to enjoy Smallville. Okay, if you take it the grain of salt, it's never. It might never annoy you. Then I think but, yeah. the Smallville as this basically the CWS side of it is what's right. getting on my nerves a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, I understand that. Yeah, if you're still looking for it just to be like, oh, these are great villains, these are great characters, and they pull it all together, I think it keeps doing it. So you'll, I think you'll enjoy it all the way. Yeah. you know, was I mean, it season I'm, four? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that's what's on Netflix is either three or four. I can't remember, but I've watched up to and including everything on Netflix. Yeah, other than that, Hulu just released the first season of Brockmire. Did you watch Brockmire? I don't yeah, even know Hulu. what Brockmire is. It's all right. Uh, Hank Azaria is <laughs> is a uh, baseball announcer, right? And he comes home one day and finds his wife doing all kinds of deviant sex stuff with a bunch of people in their living room. And he just goes off the deep end while he's announcing one day and loses his job, goes on a bender around the world, and then comes back to announce for like the worst minor league team you could possibly imagine. Like a bunch of scumbags, and the people in the audience are just a bunch of drunks that, you know, some of them are bums and like live in the stands and things like that. 
so, and he he winds up you know rebuilding himself. It's really, it's great, dude. He's he's sorry. This sounds like major league, but from the perspective of Bob Euchre, basically. Like, yeah, basically. I'll watch that. It's pretty good, man. First season's on uh, Hulu, and I'm watching The Path right now too because they're they're airing a new season. Oh, that's Amanda. That's Amanda Pete. I like her. Yes, Amanda Pete's in there too. She's pretty funny. I don't watch anything with Hank Azaria because, like, dude, Hank Azaria is great, man. I always forget how, like, I mean, he's been doing. He does more, you know. He does. He's got to have more voiceovers than anybody on the planet. Well, except for oh, John dude. DiMaggio, probably. John DiMaggio and uh, oh man, uh, the guy who does Fry on Futurama. What's his name? Oh, I, I, I know him so on. well, and I just can't think of his name right now. I might be able to search the archives. Billy West. Me. Billy West. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's, well, he's like a third of the voices on the Simpsons or something. Oh yeah. No, or I mean, maybe, uh, maybe more. Well, than that. it's like Harry Shearer has a, has a lot of them, which he I does. always forget. Like, Hey, that's the guy from spinal tap, he's which like, dude, he's, he's releasing an album as Derek smalls from spinal tap. That's awesome. Either it just came out or it's about to. And I saw like a clip of a video from it and it's absolutely hilarious. He's got his, He's got a double electric bass and he's standing in the surf with like some opera singer lady next to him singing. It's very spinal tap <laughs> is the only way I can really describe it. It's a, so this is spinal tap. It is very spinal tap. It's incredibly spinal tap. Yeah. Um, no, I'm going to, um, I'm going to take a look at that one though. Yeah. yeah. Give it a watch, man. So, you know what season it is? Fishing. It's WrestleMania season, dude. Uh, I was just giving a good intro there. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's time for WrestleMania. And if you hadn't, if we hadn't said anything before, we're we're wrestling nerds as much as we are nerds of anything else, I guess. So there's uh, WWE's introducing cruiserweight tag belts, which does nothing for me because <laughs> I don't watch 205 Live. Uh, brought it in more of the main thing, but I might I might check out 205 Live just because. Just to see what it's all about. Right. It's I think I've tried to watch it before. They used to have cruiserweight stuff during Raw. And that was it was okay. It was a fun little diversion during the show. Um, but I watched the Hulu version that's ninety minutes since I don't have I don't have cable. Yeah. Um, which the Hulu version of Raw is pretty great. It's ninety minutes long and they cut out all the garbage and you only need to know it only shows you what you need to know, I guess, to to get to the next week or to get to the pay per view. Um, NXT is bringing back the North American heavyweight title as a secondary title on that show. Which I think is pretty cool. They're going to take over in New Orleans the weekend of WrestleMania. They're going to have like a six-man match, which is supposed to bring in some big indie star, I think. His name I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, I expect expect TakeOver in WrestleMania to kind of have like they, you know, they gotta they gotta salt it and they gotta you know give it the shimmy and the shake. So I mean, they gotta bring somebody back for it. Yeah. I don't know. The the North American title I think will be good. I really enjoy NXT. I rarely ever watch it anymore, but it reminds me of watching the old WCW shows that like before they started with Nitro and all that. It was like an hour long show on Saturday evening at like five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was just straight up wrestling for an hour. There wasn't all the garbage. And that's what this is almost. It's pretty low key and it's just wrestling for an hour. And they're really good. I mean the, the people on that show are really talented. It's just yeah. too bad some of them get stuck there for so long. Yeah, I mean, they get stuck there or they end up going back. I think last time I checked, uh, Drew McIntyre was 
back there and then he's probably going to go back up again? He went over to um, the UK for a while. He did the uh, what? WCP, yeah, yeah, WCPW, uh, which they've had some pretty big people over there. Kurt Angle did a couple matches, I think. Uh, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Uh, what is what is his name over there? Stu Stu Bennett, which would have been the the leader of the Nexus from back. Oh then. yeah, he was. I think he was doing the. Uh, I guess the commissioner gig there for a while. They did have oh, okay. Eric Bischoff on there. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, which I mean, I don't. I know some people don't, but I do. I do think Eric Bischoff's really, especially now that he's kind of gotten older and smarter, he's very interesting to listen to now. He's 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 not a dumb guy. I mean, he made some bad decisions. I mean, he did produce that that um, fake reality show about the biker gang in San Diego. Oh my God! Seriously. Did you watch that? No, I didn't. <laughs> I watched it for a little while. It's called uh, The Devil's Ride, I think. With and and I went, I'm like four or five episodes into this, and I'm like, I wonder if this is really real. And then at the end of the show, like produced by Eric Bischoff, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's not real. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um, have, you, have you seen or have you seen who's going into the Hall of Fame this year? Um, everybody's. I think yeah. The the only person whose story I don't know is there. I guess they're. Uh, and you wouldn't know them. They're not famous, but the uh, warrior. Uh, JJ. The warrior, warrior. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's a big deal with the New Orleans Saints organization. Okay. Um, which that's my football team. He had cancer of some sort. Um. Yeah, I figured it was a it was kind of a you know make a wish type thing because they do a lot with it. So, oh, I mean that's what the Warrior Award is. Yeah. And he people know who JJ is. Jarius Robertson is his name. He had. I'm, I just pulled up the the Wikipedia list of who's going in this year, and it says he's a double liver transplant survivor. Oh, he, Jesus! I mean, Poor like guy. the dude. Yeah, he's he had some kind of horrible disease or cancer. I can't quite remember. So please forgive me for that. But I mean, the kids come through a lot, and good for him. Like he he's constantly in the locker room with the Saints and stuff like that. I see pictures and videos all the time. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Not that, um, not that bad stuff about him getting cancer, but I mean, like that he's a uh, yeah, that he's doing better. Yeah, I know what you mean. Doing better, and he's getting in there with people. Yeah, but you got Goldberg going in, which okay, I see. I I see it. Some people, you know, give him a hard time for it. He did win some championships. Um, the whole thing with him and Goldberg, I don't or not. I'm sorry, Goldberg and Goldberg. The whole thing with him and Brock Lesnar, I that rivalry was weird. Like when they tried to rehash that last Squash year at the year before. Yeah, it's, that's all uh, it was, dude. We're we're both leaving. We don't care. Match, which I think that yeah. had like chance of this is boring pretty easily. Oh, you talking about the original, the the first time they wrestled? Yeah, the first time, and then this last streak was more like it was one sided because Brock Lesnar's part time, but I guess he gives a little bit shit more. But Goldberg was a little more in it some yeah. of the time, and yeah. I just thought, I thought it was weird they put that Universal Championship on him. That was strange to me. Um so, I mean, like, I get why he's going in because he was a huge name in the late 90s and very early 2000s. The Dudley boys definitely deserve it. I mean, those guys won championships everywhere they went. ECW, oh, WWE, WCW, and God knows anywhere else. Uh, Ivory, also her real name's Lisa Moretti. She was in GLOW. She was the GLOW champion. Um, she's, uh, she's probably one of the um, probably one of the mainstays that kept, like, who kept kind of just beating down the women's doors before it became the whole attitude era divas thing. And yeah. it just was, yeah, she was, 
she was trying to keep it legitimate at the time, and I give it to her. She she tried as much as she could, you know. Well, and it's just it was a product. Was it was a product of the time. I mean, she. I listened to her uh, on the Stone Cold podcast recently. Yeah, and she was saying like how like she wanted to put on real matches, but you know it was lingerie match or the you know whatever on a pole match which was just designed to have you know half naked girls on tv so that vince could beat eric bischoff whatever man but she you're right she was an actual legit wrestler i mean she put on a good show she put on good matches uh you got t jeff jarrett i can't understand it at all i you know he screwed Vince out of some money on his way out or something like he tried to hold him up because he was um, the intercontinental t- uh, champion and he didn't want to lose it to China, but they were like, no, you're going to lose it to China. It was a and good housekeeping match too, wasn't it? I th- yeah. Or it was good housekeeping or everything, but the kitchen sink, I think it was good housekeeping. Yeah. I think you're right. Where, yeah. I mean, and she just beat the holy hell out of him. And, yeah. and then to add further insult to injury after he walks out, Vince buys WCW, and on that broadcast, the only name Vince drops when he says, I'm, by the way, I'm buying WCW, is Jeff Jarrett, and he told him he was fired on TV. <laughs> yeah. Which, good for you, Vince. Um, Hillbilly Jim, which I've heard on some other... Go ahead. Were you jumping double, double J? I didn't know that... Um, him, uh, I guess, is it is he's junior or something, whatever? Is his father senior? Uh, no, no, his dad is Jerry Jarrett. Okay, Jerry Jarrett. I didn't know that they were originally what started TNA. Yeah, I read that somewhere. I thought it was Dixie Carter and her parents giving her money, but apparently. Well, originally it was like NWA TNA, and their championship was the NWA title, the old one that Ric Flair had, not the big gold belt, because WWE owns that, mm-hmm. but the, the 10 pounds of gold belt. Yeah. Um, and that was their championship for a while, and then they still had it when they had the TNA championship. Or it was something weird. Um, but yeah, he, uh, his dad owned impact or TNA, whatever that stuff's called now. And I don't know how Dixie Carter got involved. I guess she bought part of it or who knows, man, that organization from what I understand is one bad business decision after another. Yeah. And as far as I know, like, you know, just some of the kind of behind the scene things, Dixie Carter brings in the smashing pumpkins. (laughs) I knew you were going there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like, all right, and I thought about it. It's like I'm pretty sure the Smashing Pumpkins had the whole like sideshow circus thing with them. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was a wrestling fan before that, but I think that was he, part of it too. He has been, dude. I've I've listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast, oh, and, wow. and and that was a lot of what they talked about. He's actually he's more interesting than I think I ever gave him credit for. Um, uh, you know the wrestling stuff and music and everything, and he's mm-hmm. actually had a pretty rough upbringing with his his dad. But he, there was a whole legal battle with him and TNA when he tried to get out of it or tried to sell it or something. I don't know. But he, had, now, uh, he thought he owned a portion of it, and he thought he bought a portion of it, and he found out he was just supposedly just contributing money. And um, if I remember reading all the stuff right afterwards, he he ends up, you know, after being ousted and Dixie Carter's ousted and everything like that, I think he bought the rights or he attempted to buy the rights to NWA, what was did. left of it. He did. He owns it. So and that's what he was talking about on Joe Rogan was that yeah. he owns the most. Uh, I think it's like the most historic wrestling association or one of the oldest or something like I forget the actual 
you know, what he was referring to as far as the heritage of the organization, but it's, he's proud to have it. And I guess, you know, owning just the, the video library of that might be worth something, but well, I mean, I mean you, it's, it's still do something with it. I don't know. I mean, as, as far as I know, it's just still a loosely connected group of independent promotions. Yeah. It'd be nice to see something come together. Cause I mean, like, I don't have to say that, you know, anybody else that loves wrestling would, you know, give their left nut to have, you know, the Monday Night Wars again. That was it'd be great. Good TV. I mean, yeah, you're right. And now it's it's basically just WWE competing with itself. You know, with yeah, SmackDown and Raw, and you know, Raw's beating SmackDown right now. But there was a period of time when SmackDown was the better show, or whatever. But yeah, so that's man. How did we get from? Oh, never mind. I know exactly how we got from Jeff Jarrett to there. All right, so the next actual wrestler on the list is Hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly Jim. Who I mean. This doesn't list any championships with him, but, you know, I get it. He was part of what brought wrestling into the mainstream in the 80s with, you know, the Rock and Wrestling Connection, or so it's called. Part yeah. of WrestleMania three, which was the biggest one, like, attendance-wise. He was part of that Hulk Hogan cartoon and, you know, a few other things. Managed some guys in the 90s during the Attitude Era. But he's it's, awesome, it's, though. It really was. He, he was a good wrestler, but it, he's kind of the oddball on the list to me. He's like the Coco Beware of this year's list of entrants. I think I'd put I think I put Hillbilly Jim above Kilgo Beware. I'm gonna I give him a little more too. I mean a little more credit on that one. Yeah. And then you've got Kid Rock. Well I mean he, he gave the Undertaker's <laughs> intro music. For a little while, yeah. And he also performed at several WWE events. WrestleMania twenty five. Some tribute yeah. to the troops. Tribute the troops. Troops. <laughs> so, tribute yeah. to the troops. Troops. Uh podcast. Podcast. Right? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so there was that. Um, the one thing I'm going to say about the Hall of Fame negatively, I was, and maybe it'll happen within the next couple of weeks, we'll see, but I'm really kind of disappointed that Big Van Vader was not in this Hall of Fame class. He should have been in this year or last year because he got some really bad news. His heart is given out on him, and like a year and a half ago, I think, or so, he was given like two years to live. The dude is, you know... I think a two or three time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a two or three time NWA, I'm not NWA, I'm sorry, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy was like early 90s WCW, he was their monster heel. Like he, you couldn't touch him. Every, everybody beat him until Ron Simmons beat him for the world title, which was still a great match, man. I remember watching that. But the yeah. guy definitely deserves it. Yeah. And I, I really wish they would have brought him in, and I really hope they get him in there before his heart issues get the best of him. Be nice. He he was by the way his WWE run was terrible because he was just like the click basically hated him. He well, was I think it was Shawn Michaels you yeah. know, made him pay for it away. I think that's a big part of it, and I also think it, part of that was the whole we're WWF at the time, and you're we still consider you WCW, so we're just going to crap on you a little bit. But he did Vader bomb Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, everybody should do that once if you can. Just get it out of your way. <laughs> Nothing against Gorilla, but, you know. So I'm looking at the celebrity wing because I, I was like, I, I wanted to make sure of one thing, that Pete Rose was in the celebrity wing Hall of Fame because Pete well, Rose needs to get in one Hall of Fame, even right. if it's WWE. I was going to say, he's not going to get in the in the baseball Hall of Fame. Sorry, Pete. I've had this argument with a few people, and it's like usually when it comes down to it, everyone will agree. He will get it posthumously, 100%. They won't I'm give not it to him sure. when it's allowed, but they will give it to him when he's gone. I'm not sure. I mean, the dude was a phenomenal baseball player, but 
I don't know, man. He kind of screwed up like big time, <laughs> which is why he's still not in the Hall of Fame. I think it's. I think my thing with it, it is the fact of he didn't bet against the other team, or he didn't bet on him losing. He bet on him winning, and I think that like that's why people give him a little bit of a pass from time to time. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you been watching any of the pay per views leading up to WrestleMania? I caught I caught Elimination Chamber. I missed Fastlane, which I read the results. I didn't miss much. Yeah. Then um, I've I've been hit and miss with catching Raw every week, but. I guess most of them. They're good. Um, I really, um, and this is going to sound cliche to anybody that listens to wrestling a lot. I really don't give a shit about Roman Reigns. I don't care if you're trying to make him feel like a CM Punk or an underdog or whatever you want to call it. I'm not going to fall for it. If he wins, we riot. Steal a little <laughs> ECW. You know, John Cena wins, we riot moment. But yeah, and what what am I what am I supposed to care? It's like you know. I know they're making, I understand why they're making Brock Lesnar the bad guy because he's probably going to leave. He's probably going to ditch and go to UFC. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of live that up. So, but I mean, I just, I don't, I don't get behind Roman Reigns as the underdog. And I, he doesn't like, he's, he's just so boring. I mean, the guy, give him a different look. I mean, the other two guys that were in the shield, they've kind of got their own thing going now, but he's still the same thing. Like, it's just the same thing. And, and I've heard it reiterated by most of the major, you know, wrestling, you know, uh, YouTube channels. And they've always said it. It's like, and two of the easiest things was they gave him the shield look. They gave him the shield intro. The only yeah. thing he stopped doing was walking through the crowd. And you're just like, you know, the other guys had to go out and make it on their own. And he was basically just coattailing off it. And it, it probably was part of the reason it didn't go well for him. Well, and aside from that, the other two guys in the shield are infinitely more entertaining than Roman Reigns is. You know yeah, I mean? like he's he just I feel like he's trying too hard when he's on the microphone and the guy can perform in the ring. He really can. But he's got that John Cena slash Hulk Hogan disease of I've got these like seven or eight moves and that's just what I do. And seven or eight is being generous with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I hate the very generous. That is <laughs> Superman punch is dumb. That's kind of dumb. It's like um, so it's five knuckle shuffle and people's elbow for that matter. But I like the people's rock. elbow works, though. People's elbow works because it's a camera angle because it zooms all the way out, zooms all the way in, and it's just it's not it's not a finisher to the whole thing. It's just kind of a it gives you the halfway mark almost. It's no spinneroony. Bring back the spinneroony. I'm in all in. <laughs> Hashtag bring back the spinneroony. Hashtag bring back the spinneroony. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I we were texting back and forth during the elimination chamber. And um, I said it then, and I will say it now, and it'll be on the internet forever and ever. Uh, Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar because he's going to leave, like you said. As far as the rest of the card for WrestleMania, oh, let's let's talk about Elimination Chamber a little bit. The women's Elimination Chamber match was really great. Yes, it was. I mean, Mickey James was pretty fantastic in that match. I think, I think, uh, I think part of the reason I went from being a kind of a a dirt, I'll call it a dirt sheet spectator because I was reading. I was either reading dirt sheets occasionally or I was watching YouTube stuff where they went in. The yeah. thing that kind of brought me back in was is they created a, a viable women's division again and they had some very interesting people. And I, I that's what dude, kind of brought me back in. Dude, it's been early 90s since they've had any kind of decent women's division in the WWE. Yeah. And now that they have one and it's a little more interesting, it's like, the Royal Rumble they did was awesome. I like watching Oscar. The Rumble was good. Oscar, 
great, dude. Dude, she is kicking all kinds of ass, and uh, she's really intriguing. I mean, not just because she's beating everybody. She's got that whole Goldberg streak thing going on, but she's just interesting to watch. Same as Shinsuke Nakamura. Maybe it's a Japanese thing, but... I think, well, I mean, I think at this point it's like we were talking about the Monday Night Wars competition or whatever. I think in New Japan, I feel like they have a little bit of that push. I think if they ever had somebody kind of tip them over the edge and get them rolling that way, they would be the ones to do it. Yeah. Because they have the talent and there's a lot of talent over there. And I almost watched, uh, was it Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah. I almost watched it just for Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. So, yeah, that's their WrestleMania, basically. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's that, and then, um, but I mean, they have so many of those stars coming over there, because like uh, Styles and Nakamura did, they yep. did a couple wrestling events in New Japan, and I'm really excited for their match at WrestleMania. <clears throat> Very excited about that, and I'm so glad that they did the right thing, and they didn't let John Cena win that match at Fastlane, so that so that AJ Styles and Nakamura can happen. But on the, the card they've got for, for WrestleMania, you know, Lesnar reigns. Okay, yeah. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, which I really you – know, AJ Styles is my favorite wrestler on the roster right now currently. He's – the dude's solid. I mean, he's – there's a lot of comparisons with him and Shawn Michaels, who's my favorite of all time, I think. Um, but I really want Shinsuke Nakamura to beat AJ Styles. Um, and then we've got the Intercontinental Championship. Miz versus Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, which I hope either one of those two beats The Miz. Nothing against The Miz. He's actually as much of a pain as it is to watch him because he's such a good heel. Like, he's so good at talking himself up and making you feel or and, mm-hmm. and making himself feel superior to you. He's doing his job. But I would I, shoot, put that, put the Intercontinental belt on Finn Balor. I'm going to say right now, that's who I want to win. Yeah. Tyler would be coming. Yeah. By the way. The Miz is my second, who I think is the second best heel in the company right now. Who's first? Care to venture, I guess. Seth Rollins? No. Alexa Bliss. Oh, yeah. I would have said Charlotte over her. Well, Charlotte's good, but here's why Alexa Bliss is good. The end of uh, Elimination Chamber, that almost like babyface turn that was seemed like it was going to happen for a split second there, and then you just... She, kind of turns to a baby face and then out of nowhere this killer heel promo saying that like none of you are the reason why none of you know like, oh, yeah and she just cuts it and you're just like god damn this like, <laughs> fucking meme that's pretty good it's like yeah, yeah i get what you're saying uh you got randy orton or when vicky guerrero was talking about him randy Orton versus bobby rude for the u.s championship i hope bobby rude wins that um, which I think might be why Randy Orton has that belt right now to, to put him over, to put Bobby Roode over at WrestleMania. That'd be Charlotte, too. Charlotte versus Asuka. I want Asuka to win. And I, and I, if she wins that, I think she has that SmackDown Women's Championship for a long time. I think that works, too, moving her over there. Yeah. I think it really works for him. I think they'll do that. So, And something I just saw reading this, uh, Cesaro and Sheamus versus Braun Strowman for the Tag Team Championships. So is he supposed to have a tag partner or is it him by himself? I'm 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 100% okay with either. Uh, a really good surprise tag partner or just Braun Strowman by himself. I'm I want it to either. be Braun. I want it to be Braun by himself. And then him just take the tag titles and run around <laughs> and just beat the hell out of every tag team that comes after him until you get like a the second coming of the Road Warriors to just destroy him. Dude, 
that's how you literally put him over really, really hard without giving him a major title. You gave right. him two titles. You get yeah, you give him the tag belts and you let him run with those for several months. I think that'd be awesome. Um I love the uh, the dog pile thing that happened because they were put. I guess it was because of Twitter or whatever they put out there. There's nobody in the tag division. The entire tag division came out and kicked their ass. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we've got the cruiserweight championship. I have no idea who these three guys are. I'm gonna I watch. I mean, I'll watch it if it's part of the show. Yeah. Um, the Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon thing. I don't know. I kind of hope Kurt and uh, Ronda win. I really hope they don't get buried by Triple H and Stephanie. So here's my here's my problem with it. Um, I feel like it's this is them trying to do a couple different things. They're passing the torch onto the authority figures being Stephanie McMahon and Vince McMahon is going to kind of step back or whatever yeah. a lot more than he has. I mean, he's still in there a little bit, but he's going to step back. And this is them creating the... Uh, Stone Cold Vince McMahon kind of conflict by you and Ronda Rousey. Could be. My 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 overall issue with it is one that the Stephanie McMahon has a very bad tendency of burying people, and if she bears buries Ronda Rousey, like you invalidate any reason for putting her in the first place. Right. Yeah. So I hope I hope she goes over on this. Yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about one more match before we talk about the brand new hot button item on the WrestleMania card. Uh. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, which should be a good match. I didn't realize they weren't buddies anymore, storyline-wise. Um, yeah, I guess because um, one went after the other so they could get their tag title match. And then they're, they're not sorry, tag title, but their title match. And then they went into that six-pack challenge. And they kind uh, of like, okay. we're going to help each other out and turning each other again. That's just that's just a good typical. friendship <laughs> kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah that's typical. Um, so Before you jump oh, on that real quick, for Rousey, the other – She's done a couple things, and her her character her character kind of thing with wrestling really bothers me because she like she still has that kind of starstruck thing where she's like she needs she needs a Paul Heyman or she needs some kind of mouthpiece for a little while. I mean, yeah. if it maybe not forever, let her get used to it. But because I mean, she she's over already with the fans. I mean, they love her. If for no other reason than she's planning on beating up Stephanie McMahon in a couple of weeks. But I really hope that, you know, maybe they get somebody with her. Maybe they team her up with someone like a Mickey James, Alexa Bliss situation where they're just kind of buddies. And maybe the other person does the talking for her for a little bit. I don't know. I kind of wish Brock Lesnar was sticking around so that way we could do like a, do you remember the Dangerous Alliance in WCW? No, I don't think so. Oh, so Paul Heyman in the early 90s was in WCW as a manager named Paul E. Dangerously, and he had the Dangerous the Alliance. He had the phone. He I remember the phone. phone. You remember him now, and he had a ponytail and everything? Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted them to do a Dangerous Alliance 2 with Brock and Ronda with their, their UFC pedigree to kind of have them as his stable. Maybe add some other legitimate people to it, like, like legitimate badass people is what I'm talking about. Yeah, how could you not do that? That'd just be fun. Oh, come on, dude. Give him that phone. I want a, I want a Zach Morris brick phone. And I don't know. He cut his hair off because he's losing it. But, you know, I mean, tape a ponytail to him. Give him a baggy suit. It'll be fun. By the way, still one of the, you know, like I like smart people in wrestling who've done a lot. And Eric Bischoff and Paul Hammond are two of them. I like those are people two, I would look up to if anybody. Two very brilliant guys who ran two 
one more successful than the other, two successful wrestling promotions into the ground inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so the the news that I saw this morning after the announcement last night, apparently, so uh, I'm assuming they're going to have the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania. They're also going to have tentatively named, I guess, with all this backlash, is the Fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal. The Fabulous Moolah uh, Fabulous Moolah was a female wrestler. She was a lady wrestler who was con- long considered one of the best. Her real name is Mary Ellison. I kind of knew that she was not a super nice person like backstage. She held titles forever and ever and would not relinquish them and things like that. The original screw job. She dressed yep. up in a flimsy costume, called herself the spider, and I and I rewatched it today. The worst small package one count to screw job <laughs> Wendy Richter. And I was like, that's really shitty. Yep. She uh, paid off the referee to do that. Um, Wendy Richter just recently kind of, you know, I don't know if it's so much a good graces with the WWE, but they're in her good graces after all that happened. Um, some of the stuff that came up, there is a super long wrestling post in on squared circle and uh, on Reddit after, if you don't follow this guy on YouTube and you like wrestling, you really should check out wrestling with regret, uh, regret spelled with a W dude's got great videos. Uh, oh, Brian Zane. Yeah, dude, he's awesome. Um, <clears throat> So he posted a link to this and I looked it up. It's like a 6,000 word post. Like it's really long. And the guy even says, look, this is how long this is. But he put it too long, didn't read at the end. So here's just the bullet points. She pimped off. She had a wrestling school and she pimped off her students to make money. She trained women to be bad wrestlers to ensure that she would always be on top. She destroyed other people's careers and an entire women's tag team division to maintain her position, which... Side note, I think a women's tag team title would be kind of fun to have around. Maybe there's not enough to have one on each show in WWE, but maybe they have one that goes back and forth. Yeah, Roman um, titles. Be good. Um, she, would, uh, she abused and drugged her trainees to maintain their control over them. There was a wrestler, Sweet George Brown, who she drugged and controlled and allowed her to be raped by promoters on the road. All of this stuff, dude, there's... there's Names like Luna Vachon and Wendy Richter, there's there's stories going about them in here where, I mean, she just did absolutely horrible things to these poor people. Yeah, and it ends just up being like 20 years of this shit, too. 20, oh, 30 years? Yeah. Like, she ran this wrestling school, but she insisted that her, her trainees live in one of the duplexes that she owned. So now, in addition to having to pay for the school... They have to pay for food. They have to pay for rent. They have to pay for electricity. They have to pay for all this stuff that she's skimming off of when she like was, when she was promoting 30% off, like out of their promotion before. That, and then there's all the other stuff you have to pay. Yeah. So she was acting as a manager. And like you were saying, you know, her managing fee was 25 or 35% of what they were pulling in. Plus whatever she decided to take out for food and training and anything else. She was, just stripping money off of these people, poor people that all they wanted to do was learn how to wrestle. And now since they announced, Oh, we're going to have this fabulous Mula Memorial battle Royal because she was a trailblazer in this, that, and while she may have been in the ring as a human being, she was absolutely horrible. The Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal works because not only was he 
I mean, just he was the he was undefeated for so long, and he was this larger than life presence who was one of the first, he was one of these the first people to go from you know wrestling to some kind of mainstream notoriety. I mean, mostly due to his size, but everybody loved the man. With and and you know, like the couple of documentaries and interviews of of him I've seen, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. I can't. Nobody said anything good about Moolah. So I'm wondering what if if they're going to realize there's some backlash here, and if they're going to change the name of it to something else. So two things to throw on top of that. One, I am, I guess I was very oblivious to this beforehand because this was like it was a good read. I I skimmed through parts, but I read through the chunk of it, so it was like it was a lot of interesting shit that I never knew, and it's just it really paints a really pretty good picture that well, she did some terrible things. And without calling one out specifically, so with all of the stuff that's happened with all these celebrities recently, with all of these really horrible allegations and things against them, a lot of them where there where there's smoke, you know what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of it. there's fire. So I think what I don't I don't maybe some of this stuff is unfounded, maybe some of it's not. Maybe most of it is, maybe some of it's not. Who there's knows? A lot of but for it all untrue. Exactly that. There's so much of this. I mean, I read the the first little bit where of of that Reddit post where it was basically talking about like the Moolah compound where she was training and how much money she would take from people and a couple of quick things about how she was basically what they're calling pimping out these girls to people, uh, promoters and whatnot. That's pretty rotten stuff. That's pretty horrible. Yeah. Well, um, also the second thing that I was going to throw in there was kind of after all this was reading below this post, literally big bold letter says, let Snickers know how you feel. And it has a little, you know, just saying they're the sole, sole sponsorship for WrestleMania this year, you know, there's a number to call things like that. And they spoke, this person spoke with a rep said that all comments are being passed to Snickers and Mars Snickers that takes it seriously. Supposedly they're going, they're aware of the controversy and they're going to make an official response. Good. I assume that official response oh, man. Come after, um, after they go, Hey, um, you need to change this freaking name. This is like, this is what is it? The me too movement. This yeah. is in the middle of, I mean, it's still in the middle of that and it's controversial anyways, whether or not there's a bigger movement going on or not. There's, this crap can't stand and i i hope snickers puts it to them and they get the name change because it needs to be because wwe is being very 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 blind about the whole thing yeah i hope they change it man if there's if all this stuff is for real then yeah change that they still got a few weeks why don't you get a new trophy made but vince has money well supposedly uh i think it was was i was watching i was actually watching wrestling regrets video on it and he said something to the effect that it looked like the Andre the Giant uh, trophy only with a coat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> was Mula eight feet tall? No, she was. Uh, she was seven and a half, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. just slightly shorter. Well, all right, that's unless you got anything else wrestling, man. That's all I got right now. At least we got WrestleMania in a few weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about it before then. Again. I feel like, uh, yeah, we'll probably have some more kind of uh, stuff going forward and. Then of course I think we're gonna do a WrestleMania post show. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk some WrestleMania. Maybe not just this year. We can get into some other stuff too. We'll figure it out, man. All right. So on to the main topic. Oh, here it is. This one's been stewing in me for a couple of weeks. 
By all means, go first. Like a bad burrito. So what we're what we're talking about are bands that everyone else seems to love, but you just can't quite get a grip on it. You can't quite. It, maybe it's not you can't figure out why other people like it, but you just don't like these bands. And sometimes you catch flack for it, which has happened to me more than once. So that's what we're yeah. talking about. We're calling it our against the grain bands. So you're going against the grain with the popular opinion here. The first one, the one that I this is like the top of my list. If I were to put one together, this is the one that everybody gives me a hard time about. Uh, I don't really like the Beatles. I don't. I'm sorry. I feel like this is one of those ones like stuff gets overhyped and pushed on you because when around the time I was in middle school and I don't know if Justin remembers this or not, it seemed like a lot of people were discovering the Beatles and it's the best thing since gold teeth and you really should like these guys, but I couldn't, I couldn't get into it, dude. You said the best thing since gold teeth. I did say that it's the best thing since gold teeth. Wow. Feel, feel free to use that by the way. That's very um, Houston of you not to go slice bread, but go gold teeth. <laughs> best, best thing since diamond grills, but it's, I just felt like it was pushed on me. Like, and I'm like, I don't, I don't like this music. So why should I have to, you know, go and get these weird retro t-shirts or listen to the Beatles nonstop. It's not like they're putting out new music, but I just, I don't, and to be clear, I don't hate the Beatles. I don't hate them. I just don't get it. I don't want to listen to them a lot or hardly ever for that matter. Are you just an angry, uh, closeted, um, Rolling Stones fan? This could be it. (laughs) I I grew up listening to the Rolling Stones because my dad likes the Rolling Stones over the Beatles. Maybe that has something to do with it, but I, I respect what they did as far as a lot of the stuff they did recording wise, like they, they broke down some barriers there. Um, and if you want to find out more about that, look up the documentary sound breaking where it talks. I mean, they were the first guys to use loops in recording. They were the first guys to do a lot of things, recording music. And I respect the trail that they, they plowed and they made their way. They made the way for a lot of other people, which is fantastic. And a lot of the artists that I love now contribute a lot of their success to the Beatles. I mean, one of my all-time favorite bands, Nirvana, is were huge Beatles fans. Oh, Dave Grohl, uh, Sun City documentary. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He was a little, he was a little drooly, kind of like starry-eyed, looking at Paul McCartney the whole time. Again, I'm playing with Paul McCartney. You know that kind of. I get it. I mean, it's and look. To be quite honest, Paul McCartney and George Harrison's solo stuff, I enjoy. I also enjoy. I enjoy Wings with Paul McCartney. I enjoy Traveling Wilburys with George Harrison. I just, That's a good super group too, dude. Roy Orbison, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynne. Who else was in that? Was it just those four? Was there a fifth Wilburton? I don't want to say Bob Dylan for some reason. Bob Jersey. Dylan, you're right. You're absolutely right, Bob Dylan. Um, yeah, dude, Traveling Wilburys had some good stuff. Um, but it, yeah. as, as far as the Beatles themselves, I don't care for them. I just don't. And I, the guy that runs the record store I go to, almost yelled at me one day about over that. Oh man, that's just. <laughs> that's, that's the uh that's the 40 in a podcast hot button issue of toxic fans we just well, need to find toxic fans on it <laughs> i uh, i got him to calm down and he didn't yell at me i'm just i'm exaggerating but he was I don't just know. having a bad day and he took it out on you <laughs> yeah it was it was actually right after the hurricane so um, oh well shit there you go <laughs> but yeah i forget how we even got on the subject when i was in there talking about it because i was the only one there yeah, I'd said something about like, yeah, I don't really care for the Beatles. And he goes, well, have you, li-? it's it's one of the responses oh, I get from everybody. Oh, wrong, yeah. Well, have you ever listened to the White Album? I said, yes, I have. A couple times, in fact, just to make sure that, and he's like, really, are you sure? I said, yeah, I listened to it once with headphones and I listened to it another time, I mean, cover to cover, just listening to it while I was doing something else. And it didn't do any, it, it didn't, you know, I didn't have visions, <laughs> you know, I didn't feel euphoric 
or anything like that. It wait, did you did you take LSD with it? You got to take LSD with it. That's is that where I'm missing it? That's yeah. Sorry. And if the LSD doesn't work, you need to take DMT. And the DMT doesn't work, you just need to go to Britain and listen to it in Apple Studio. I don't know. Somebody's <laughs> going to have some somebody's gonna have some weird reasoning on where you got to do this or how you got to do this upside down, whichever. Yeah, that's not going to happen for me. Sorry. No, yeah. I mean, I love the Beatles, but I'm not going to blame you on that one. It's, it's super popular. And like, yeah, a lot of people have rediscovered it, but... I, I like you were saying it's like i'd put some wings songs above some beatles songs some george harrison too ringo star you will be left alone i'm sorry to say sorry ringo you know sorry buddy but i mean yeah no i get it and it's like i think i'm gonna i think i'm a grain of salt person when it comes to that it's like there's nothing like if you were to just say flat out they were terrible and they had no talent whatsoever oh no no it'd be full-on argument you know but no and not everybody's cup of tea and, right and with and the, get, the the guy at the record shop, like I told him, like, look, if you if you give me the Beatles or the Stones, I'm gonna listen to the Stones. But if you give me the Stones or the Who, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Who. And he said, okay. <laughs> he he got it. He's like, well, those are my other two favorite bands. So I guess I guess you're all right. Um, Stones. So here we go. We're gonna do our we're gonna Uber do Stones Beatles over over. Uh, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do this the right way. This is the official forty in a podcast. One or the other game, which we haven't played yet. So Beatles or Stones. Beatles. Beatles or the Who? Uh, still Beatles, but I put the Who over the Stones. Okay. All right. So you got one. You got one of these. That what would be on the top of your list for bands that kind of go against popular opinion? Well, I'm gonna sp- I'm gonna spin off here a little bit. And as much as I like the Beatles, I think John Lennon's solo career is the most overrated piece of shit ever. Uh, as a person, I think he's overrated. So there's that. Well, I mean, like his music was like it was. It had some level of talent to it, but I don't think. But it it shows you who was the talent in that band. Yeah, it's, it's McCartney and Harrison, hands down. They're the more substance writers, and it's like John Lennon's like he might as well have sang about magic and ponies because everything else is like, why don't you get piece of chance? That's like that's so. I know it's supposed to be inspiring, but at the same time, it's like, why don't you try that hot dog? I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like you're not really saying anything as much as you're just saying, why don't you do that? Kind of like the way somebody would convince you to listen to a band you don't like. Well, right. why haven't you tried listening to it upside down with headphones on? I don't know because I don't care that much. Right. And John Lennon was just like, hey, you go over there and do that because I said some catchy shit. It was like he was a catchphrase. Yeah. He wasn't as plain as he was a walking catchphrase. And No, and he didn't You know, come to – I think all this came out after – he passed, but he didn't live that life. You know, he didn't live the, live the peace and love life. If you dig into who he was as a person. Oh yeah. No, I mean like drunk white beater, probably, I don't think he was racist, but you know, I wouldn't it, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. It kind of goes hand in hand with all those things when you talk about something yeah. like that. I mean, abandoned his kid and all this other kind of, yeah. by the way, um, his, uh, not, yeah. Julian Lennon. Mm-hmm. Actually, not bad musician. Didn't yep. get a lot of credit, but and the uh, the other one, Sean Lennon, was not a terrible musician either. And they both had never, very short-lived careers and not a lot of music to it. But it wasn't. They weren't terrible by any means. Never listened to any of it. Julian would have been uh, mid '80s because I think I actually have him on uh, vinyl. And then uh, Sean Lennon would have been early to mid '90s. Okay. So they they were a good chunk of time apart, and they're half brothers. Right. So, yeah, because he was married before Yoko. And then one of those two was with Yoko. Yeah, Julian's first wife, and then uh, Yoko's uh, Sean. Sean. Okay, I got you. But yeah, no, I mean, 
not too much to say there, but yeah, John Lennon. It's like I don't, I don't think he's the one to be praised. It's like Paul McCartney's yeah. my favorite Beatle overall. So. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one, it'd be it'd be Paul and George probably. Obviously, not that I care, given <laughs> they're at the top of my. I really don't like this band topic. By the way, I think that I do think there are some people that if we're ever put into this category of overrated, I would have to set somebody on fire and i'm pretty sure prince is one of those prince michael jackson people like that <laughs> no you just don't put them in that overrated thing because they're not overrated they're really that good but you can you can i feel like you're allowed to not like prince but what you're not allowed to do is discredit him as a musician exactly because he's infinitely more talented than most of the people that are playing music right now. Prince is a proverbial plays every instrument, writes all his own tune, writes everything like that. He wrote for many other people besides oh, that. Yeah. Like, I mean, easy one right out the gate is a uh, Manic Monday. I think yep. that's, the, that's the one I was just thinking. Yeah. He did the the Shaka Khan, uh, I Feel For You, I think it's called. Mm. He did Nothing Compares to You uh, that Sinead O'Connor made famous, and then he wound up playing it. Yeah, uh, there's there's many more that I'm sure I'm leaving out, but those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Well, I figured I'd throw those two in there. That way, if you're going to put them out there, I would let you know now. You'd be berated heavily. <laughs> oh yeah. But what do you got? What do you got next on there? Who's who's digging into your side that pisses you off that much? The one that makes me. I've got one that actually makes me mad. Is it Nickelback? So I've got two that actually make me mad. <laughs> there um, you go. <laughs> uh, it's. Oh man, they've got the best-selling album of all time, if you believe it or not. But they make me mad. The Eagles, like I can't. Oh man, and you know what song does it? You know what song makes me just angry is uh, "Taking It Easy." <laughs> oh, dude. It, d- don't tell me what to do, the Eagles. I'll I'll take it easy when I damn well please. And I will Hotel California oh, the fuck out of you if you don't. Oh. This song makes me mad too. I just, I can't. Maybe harmonies make me angry, but dude, it's, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. And you know what? Finley's a dick, so I I agree with you. But you know what? Joe Walsh is great. Joe Joe Walsh is is great. great. I like some Joe Walsh stuff. And and there's some stuff he did with the James Gang that's really fun too. But I don't know how they were as popular as they became. I don't know. I mean, like, they fit, like, it's the 70s thing, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they were 70s kind of like, but then again, like you listen to Joe Walsh songs. It was Joe Walsh was way oh. better 70s music. By Joe Lanza. Walsh has got that that bluesy, funky rock and roll kind of. I mean, he had good grooves in his songs, and it's fun to listen to. But the Eagles just irritate the living shit out of me. It's like they were bad versions of like easy listening Leonard Skinner. It's, like, <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of being country, but it's not. And like, and it's just like it's like. It would be so mixed ninety six point five. Everybody right. didn't know that's like the generic mix station in Houston. So, well, no, no, no. It's mix ninety six point five has actually got some more modern tunes on it. I think you're thinking of Sunny ninety nine point one, which is what you would listen to at your dentist's office. I thought that's what they played at the uh, not the dentist's office, but that's what they played at the salon. The really like really <laughs> the old lady salon. Could <laughs> be, dude. I haven't been to an old lady salon before. I have. It's quite wonderful. Apparently, oh. my mom's an old lady. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, um, good on her, right? Yeah. Hey, you gotta look good for your man, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, dude. I can't do the Eagles. So, you know that that's the Eagles. The band, the Eagles, is how the band, the Eagles of Death Metal, got their name. 
but you, it, when you listen to the Eagles of Death Metal for the first time, you're just like, especially yes, yeah, especially their first album. I think some you can look this up on your own, but I think the story goes: someone was listening to the first Eagles of Death Metal album before they had a name or anything, and they said, "You sound like if the Eagles played death metal." <laughs> and then they said, "Oh, okay, so we're the Eagles of Death Metal." So see, they're saying the same thing. They're like the Eagles are easy listening music, basically. And it's it like, just, but it makes me mad. Why does it make me mad? It, it oh, maybe you don't like being told what to do. They tell me to take it easy. Because Joe Walsh, Joe Ugh. Walsh, you know his music didn't tell you to take it easy. Joe's Walsh mu- music kind of just made you, yeah, hi. <laughs> like you listen to it, you're just like, I'm getting tired and hungry and. Yeah. I was about to say. I was about to say. Joe Walsh's music is all about drugs. I mean, he has an entire song about it. It's like his old week or whatever. And it's like I crashed my car. I mean, <laughs> like somebody's going to take me here or whatever. And it's like I know. it's literally he wrote it like while doing nothing because everything else in his life was taken care of. And he didn't give a crap. He's like, this will make a great song. To what you did. <laughs> I'm trying to look up. Hold on. I've got a handful of his songs on my classic rock playlist. I'm trying to find it so I can tell you which ones they are because they're all little funk number 49. I don't know. That's the one. Yeah, he's like, gotta take me higher. So that one's about drugs. Life of Illusion, I imagine, is about drugs. Rocky Mountain Way, probably given that they've legalized weed in the Rocky Mountains now. Life's Been Good. I don't know. That could be about drugs. Life's, I don't, life's I don't remember been this good one. is the one I've been referencing about him. Oh, yeah. Uh, was it a, yeah, I drive my Porsche, uh, whatever. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And it just goes on, and literally, it's like ah, oh, just it's a good song. I know that one. Yeah, my Maserati goes eighty-five. Yeah, I know that. It's a good song, and a lot of these, like, because I knew I liked Joe Walsh, but I didn't like the Eagles, and I started going through his music on Amazon, and I'm like, oh, he wrote, he played this song. Oh, this is the James Gang. Oh, okay, I like him. I like him a lot. And he's, you know, he's he's a good addition to my classic rock playlist. So anyway. You got one of these? Oh yeah, um, I got tons of them. Yeah, <laughs> everybody that's played since 1998. Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna say this one. You can get angry. Everyone else in the world can get angry. I know this is gonna do it because they are in the club and they hear that song and it comes up. And you're just just a small town boy, and you're like, oh god. <laughs> well, everybody else is just going off, and it's just like 15 girls that are all in the same circle just go this is my song not realizing that they're sharing that song with the girl next to them that that's also yeah. their song and it's her song and her song and it's already come over on five times a night this song is about me oh yeah this is this explains my life and it's like nothing about what because every bit of the journey song always gave me a midwest feel to it and it's like nothing like nothing about it's like you're, you're not even a small town now <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes, right yeah Journey. I get why, I get why people wouldn't like Journey. I get it. I enjoy some Journey, but yeah, I don't. They're they're talented, but it's more it's more like Journey's that friend you have that for some reason everybody thinks they do no wrong, and you're just sitting over there going the whole time it's like oh, because oh. they just stabbed you in the back. Why don't you realize this? You may they do it with a smile and they stab you in the back, but you're so happy about it because oh they're so cool and dreamy. And I'm just like, why? Why the fuck do you keep doing this? Right, and and to be clear, I enjoy Journey, but I like Steve Perry Journey. I don't like anything they've done without him. Maybe I just like Steve Perry. 
<laughs> you know, that, that's one of those bands like, yes, I really do enjoy Don't Stop Believing. I think it's a great song. But as outside of like their greatest hits, I don't think I would pick up the album Escape and just listen to it cover to cover. Like, and this is where I'd give it up and kind of put it put it on somebody better. If you think Journey is great, go listen to Rush and Upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Way Upgrade. Or put on, get like um, an 80s arena rock compilation that has some Journey in it. And then you can get the essence of what Journey is and what yeah. the other bands that they were that they were around with at the time, like Boston, REO Speedwagon, which, man, that's a, that's an 80s white boy band. Yeah. <laughs> Most of those, like, they're two, they're not one-hit wonder, but they would be, like, the two or three-hit wonders, and that's it. Well, they're, that's a, it's, it's a product of the time, man. Those those bands all had a few good albums in the early 80s and mid-80s, maybe, late 70s. But it was a product of the time, and music moved on. Yeah, but it's just, like, it's so many people just stuck on it, and it's, like, it's not... It, I mean, it's not they're not bad songs in their own instance, but they've been burned out. They've been burned into freaking people's ears. They're going You're so right. bad. But I mean, yeah. And it's like, I can still respect the song and the level of craftsmanship in the song that it has, but it's like, they, they to, to use the term, they blew their wad all in one, yeah. one or two songs. So there was, I had a proud Houston moment. Um, There's not many of those in life. I know. So, so <laughs> hold on to them, Houstonians, when you get them. Um, I was living in San Diego and a bunch of us went out to a bar for a friend's birthday. And this bar had a projector that was showing videos on the wall. It was like a two story wall inside this bar and it was like a bar club kind of thing. Yeah. And we're hanging out and don't stop believing came on. And it was right after it was on one of those Southern California reality shows. Oh man. Laguna beach. Laguna beach. I think Laguna beach brought that song back. Anyway, I know, right? So anyway, um, that song started playing, and so everyone loses their mind. All the girls, oh, this song is about me. Anyway, (laughs) so the video they were playing on the wall was the Journey concert in the Astrodome where Steve Perry has that white and yellow striped shirt on. And and once I realized which video it was, I'm like, yeah! That just made me excited, so I had to share my happy happy H-Town Journey moment. There's that. You got any other big ones on your list that like everybody else loves but you hate? This one is a very strange one because it's technically a yeah no it's not a triple threat but it's a double threat. Dave Matthews, not a chance in hell. None of it, not even a solo stuff. Solo stuff, yes, but that was that was darker and bleaker. Let's put it this way: <laughs> there is there is something about making me watch just this overly excited, happy guy on a violin for fucking 40 minutes that just really drops me to the wall. Like, and there's, he's just going nuts. And it's, he's got, he's got a lot of dark music, but even with the band, it's, it's super jam bandy. It's a lot of like, it is. Yeah. I've never been a fan of like, you know, fish, grateful dead. I've never been a huge fan of those, but it's just like, it's like, it's the, um, I'm never going to knock somebody for going Clapton as God. But when you take that Dave as God kind of same mentality, no. you've really kind of pissed me off a little bit and really got under my skin. Like that doesn't make sense to me. He's good for what he does and everything like that. And he's by all means, I'm I'm a musician myself. I'm not gonna say I could play that good. Those everybody on that stage is a talented musician Very and much. worked hard to get where they are, but it's like they're not curing cancer. Get over no. it. <laughs> um I mean I was 
up to a certain point i really love his music once i think the album's called stand up the black one with the fire dancer in chrome on the cover that was where i i dropped off with them of course that was during my punk rock phase and i never went back to dave matthews but there's a lot of his 90s stuff that i enjoyed the album under the table and no, i'm sorry the album before these crowded streets is probably my favorite from him i've seen him in concert three times and I enjoy their music, but I get why you wouldn't. And it's like it's not, it's not so much uh, that I don't enjoy the music because under under the table and dreaming is not a bad album. And uh, no. what, was, what was the other album you said? Uh, Before these crowded streets. That's the one with um, stay. I'm trying to think of what the hits were on that. Um, don't drink the water. The song Halloween is really great. The stone is really great, but those weren't singles. I like I expect I, you to know those. I don't think I liked Crash. Crash is the very most popular. That song, when that song would come on at the concert, like I, that's when I'd go to the bathroom or sit down or yeah, whatever. But like Under the Table and Dreaming, like uh, they have some good songs on everything like that. But I didn't think like it's not the most massively crafted thing ever. It's definitely like it's when the problem with jam bands and one of the things where I just I don't think it's like the most expressive version of your musical talent ever and the time right. the talent of writing not of playing because the songs are still complicated to play and everything like that and he's definitely he's a complicated guitar player the way he does things what it is is right. is it's reusing it's rehashing and it's re everything re is the big word there and it's it's a lot of that stuff and you're just like okay it's not it begins begins to be the same song with different words and just a little bit of tinge change it's not groundbreaking music and i think that's where I don't think they're talentless or anything like that. I don't think I hate them, but I just, I hate the overrated bit of them. It's like, yeah, I'll listen to a Dave Matthews song. No, I'm not going to listen to it five times in a row. Sorry. No, I get it. And I think part of where it comes out, like the, the talent of each member of that band shines and it's, it's the same thing probably with fish. And I know it's the same thing with the grateful dead is their live show. Yeah. And if you can, you know, bounce, stuff off each guy in the band and there's what six of them up there is it really only six holy shit well it's dave carter they have two guys playing wind instruments now no shit. and then boyd bass player whose name i can't remember six and sometimes they have another guitar player and sometimes they have a keyboard player oh crap i was gonna i was gonna say the split the double thread of this by the way which i didn't realize is Dave Matthew Band's lead guitar players? I don't like Tim Reynolds. I get it. I get it, Mister. Uh, because Dave Re- Matthews, Tim Reynolds is Mister Bindi String, like sitting there, like yeah, hey, he's just like doing the micro, uh, getting the guitar off kind of thing. Like he's just going up and down the string. He bends it a lot. He's very like, he's a little too proud about that. And it's like I'm just <laughs> like, dude, if I if I can mimic your really cool stuff like very easily without. Lo- without paying that much attention it's like it's not as cool as you think it is sorry dude right i know i mean i'm not trying to be mean but it's just like i don't you know it's what he's enjoying it's what he does he gets paid for it good for him i'm anybody that get paid for something like nickelback makes may suck and may not be great but they are making tons of money and their music plays in strip clubs around the world good for them (laughs) but you know at the same time it's like yeah i'm i'm a I'm definitely a critic and I'm going to be critical all the same, but you know, make your money. Good for you. Yeah. No, I get that. Uh, and I was, I was the same way with uh, the grateful dead for a long time. 
until I watched, it's like a seven or eight part documentary series on Amazon prime of the grateful dead. And they were mm. all legit musicians. And, uh, you know, those dudes put in a lot of grind. I mean, they toured nonstop and yeah. just listening to music, like through the, through that series, I was like, it's actually not that bad. There's some of their songs I really like. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, like they've got a, a playlist on, on a uh, music unlimited. That's, you know, like best of grateful dead. They've got a regular studio one and they've got a live one and I enjoy it. I mean, I, I don't listen to it all the time, but every once in a while I'll throw it on. It's pretty good. I, that was yeah. for the longest time. I was like, dude, they're so overrated. They only have the one song touch of gray. That's any good, but no, after looking, after listening to them, I actually, I like their music now. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I think, I think the big premise here is even though, even though we don't like some of these bands and things like that, I think we just, we're still willing to respect that. Like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Look at, look at something like the room. We mentioned that earlier. Look at some of the <laughs> yeah. room versus like some of the B movies that had come out in the past. And it's like, that's where you should, you see that even these crappy B movies that don't get past everything and have bad acting still light years ahead of the, the room. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what this is. It's like, even we don't like these guys and we think they're overrated. It's like, there's still, still a moniker of talent to make up something that is, you know, basically easy. Cause like, I don't know. I don't know how much songwriting you've done, but it's like, I've done a lot. It's like, it's really easy to make crap stuff that makes you oh, feel yeah. like completely inferior. And then you listen to something like a Nickelback song and you go, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I can write to that quality. And I think that sucks. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, I get that. <clears throat> but I mean, and, and a lot of like the, the critically acclaimed, I mean, dude, I can sit here all day and dump on Nickelback or Creed or Linkin Park. Cause I think those are widely panned, but I, yeah, yeah. I mean, Muse, Muse are, it's, it's a lot of really intricate stuff. They're very progressive in how they play, but I can't do it, but I can listen to Rush all day long or Dream Theater all day long. I think Rush is a whole different thing. It's like, I keep, you know, I know you're a big Rush fan. I keep meaning to listen to more Rush because it's like Rush is, Rush is something that has a cult following for good reason. And I, I think we'd previously talked off air about the, we were talking about some of the comparisons between uh, Rush and uh, Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. Which, you know, those are also, very interesting in general. Also another band I really enjoy, but like the Coheed and Cambria was not influenced by Rush, which is weird if you listen to Coheed and Cambria. Oh, yeah. No, I, like I, I think you were the one who was telling me about an interview with the lead singer Coheed and Cambria where mm-hmm. somebody told him, hey, you need to go listen to Rush. Have you heard of them before? Right, and you would think they had, and it was after they released, I think one of the hidden tracks on one of their albums is called 2113, which is funny because Rush's breakthrough album was 2112. Holy shit, seriously? <laughs> yeah, and, and at that point, like, they had never really listened to Rush. And it's funny, I mean, and Coheed and Cambria, if you don't know Coheed and Cambria, I don't know if they still do this because I haven't listened to much of their new stuff, but all of their albums keep telling the same story. It's a continuation of the same story of the two characters, Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. It's a big space opera. Like there's graphic novels and comics that go along with their albums and, you know, pretty progressive stuff. And Rush is known for doing concept albums. 2112, um, you know, Hemispheres, Clockwork Angels. Um, a lot of that stuff is just, you know, big long tracks that tell a story or multiple tracks that tell a story. And it's weird to think that Coheed and Cambria wasn't influenced by Rush. 
I, I think and, that's and, like uh, just an awesome, like kind of like just cool. really cool thing. It's a cool coincidence. Yeah, just cool. Coincidence. And Rush, Rush is one of those things that people don't like Rush, and I get that. People don't like Getty's voice. Okay, I get that too. And it, it might be one of those things you kind of, if you want to listen to more Rush, I mean, you kind of got to ease into it. Listen to the more popular stuff first and then kind of get into the weird, you know, listen to a, listen to moving pictures and then listen to signals before you go and listen to, I don't know, Caress of Steel, which is horrible. But yeah, figure out a way to do it that that keeps you interested. Definitely interesting coincidence there. Um, what do you got next out there on the overrated? Uh, here's what i mean this is more of a 90s band and this is a band that i hated i mean i still don't like them but like middle school high school era uh bush i don't like bush i never did like bush maybe it's a gavin rosdale thing or maybe it's like like i get 16 stone i think was was their big album and it played on the radio all the time and i couldn't stand it and you know what part of it i think might be his voice and i understand this is just a point in time where most guys sang like Gavin Rosdale, but I think Eddie Vedder did it infinitely better. <laughs> and maybe he's the one that started that trend, but I feel like there was a lot of voices that sounded the same and Gavin Rosdale's just seemed to get on my nerves. Gavin Rosdale was British. I think yep. it's British, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they're from England somewhere. Yeah, he's British and basically looks like a poor man's Johnny Depp. I think he got over it. Does. I never thought about that. But yeah, I mean no, is that I mean, like oh, I'm just not a fan. Is that the same as like crapping on Creed? I don't know. No, I, I think like I think Creed is something where everybody looks back and goes, "Yeah, my arms were never wide open. I did not ever buy that album." And <laughs> in my case, I had that album bought for me twice, two Christmases in a row. I oh, felt loved dude. or hated. I wasn't sure which one it was. There was something going on a long time ago about like how Nickelback got so popular and i think it had to it was like it was a little cartoon of someone like someone's grandma going to walmart and she's like what's what's the album that i need to buy for my grandson because he really likes music and they're like uh here you go and they just hand him creed but like i'm looking at all right so to go back to bush i'm looking at 16 stone right now everything's in that was a single that song annoys me come down machine head glycerine all these songs, like I'm, I'm so irritated just looking at this. It does seem like a Pearl Jam knockoff band, doesn't it? Right. I've been saying that for years, and everyone thought I was crazy. Eddie, Eddie Vedder is immensely more talented. I like Eddie Vedder. Plus, he's got Matt Cameron in the band now. Which if you're gonna have a drummer. Matt get Matt Cameron. Matt Cameron played drums in Soundgarden. Soundgarden, another band I'd listen to over Bush. Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a lot of bands I would listen to over Bush. While, while I'm, uh, we're making fun of it, I'd listen to Bush over Spent Doctors. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Actually, I'd, I'd listen to neither, but, you know, there's not. <laughs> well, I mean, the Spent Doctors thing is more of a guilty pleasure for me. I know it's not good. I know it's there's a reason why they're not at the top of the heap there's anymore. There's guilty pleasure, and then there's owning four or five of their CDs. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I only own two of them. The rest are on my Amazon account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's like, I'm waiting to buy the other ones. I'm waiting for them to come out the again. Only ones, the only ones I listen to are <laughs> Pocket Full of Kryptonite and Turn It Upside Down. And Turn It Upside Down only has a couple songs on it I like. So shut your mouth. I feel like uh, every copy of uh, Pocket Full of Kryptonite should have came with a hacky sack and uh, one of those little cool knitted hats. 
and a bottle of patchouli. And a bottle of patchouli. <laughs> that's that's about what their fan base looked like at the time. Yeah, there was that whole neo-hippie movement in the early 90s, which I still don't understand. Blind Melon was a part of that. You like Blind Melon, right? I don't know. I wish I listened to Blind Melon a little bit more. I like I like the band, but it's just like didn't listen to a lot of their stuff. The first album was good. Soup has some good stuff on it, too. But yeah, I think a lot of people don't like Fake Floyd. We've got one or two friends that are... I wouldn't say they're huge Floyd fans, but they're they're relatively big Pink Floyd fans. I've got an aunt that's a huge Pink Floyd fan, but I I can't. It's and I've heard that Roger Waters Pink Floyd versus what Pink Floyd is after Roger Waters. I'm like, yeah, I can't hear a difference. Quite honestly, <laughs> I mean the song Money is fun to listen to, but that's really about it for me. Well, they all they all kind of changed a little bit. Like uh, Roger Waters brought the writing style. Um, Sid Barrett just. I don't know if anything carried over from what Sid Barrett did. Oh, he was Barrett. the was he the one that wound up? Yeah, he's with crazy. mental issues or something. Yeah, the like "Shine on You Crazy Diamond" was written about uh, Sid Barrett, and he ran into the room while they were recording it. So the story goes. And oh, then, geez. Uh, okay. What is the other guy? Uh, Roger Waters. Uh, um, David Gilmore. David Gilmore. David Gilmore gave. The iconic Pink Floyd sound. He's probably what you would, uh, yeah, he's probably what you'd give the iconic Pink Floyd sound and the guitar riffs and the stuff like that. And then, like, so I think like um, Amagama would be more, more uh, David yeah. Gilmore. And See, that's like, that's the, the album that's been like, okay, you don't like the you don't like the wall. Listen to Amagama. I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> that totally runs. Maybe I'll. To <laughs> anybody want the peanut yeah listen to oh my God, and i just i have no interest in trying sorry <laughs> i just i don't i think a lot of the i think a lot of the pink floyd kind of like um fanism or whatever you want to call it goes away after like as soon as you start taking the black light pictures off your wall and like <laughs> yeah. unpinning them and everything like that and putting frame stuff on that's when like a lot of people will lose their like real like it's more of a i always thought it's more of a passing thing it's like i like pink floyd the wall it's like well the wall's a good album but it's not the only thing out there if you want to listen to everything it's like there's so much more out there and there's like there's you know they tour they, like they got to a point where gilmore would tour with a version of the band and Roger Waters return yeah. the version of the band and there's all sorts of shit in between. So I mean I get it. It's like I don't think it's everyone's cup of tea. I think they're I think they're more pushed to push to the side than people would think. I think that's yeah, just I get more that. of a, and then I also I've also fan. heard stuff like like, oh, you should see the live show. You should see the live if I don't like the music, I'm not paying fifty bucks to go see the live show. You know, it's the same thing with Motley Crue and Kiss, who I don't like, either one of them. Um, I mean, I, there's a handful of crew songs I like. There's like two or three Kiss songs that I like. But, you know, I think their stage show is what made them popular for the sake of having the sake of having a cool stage show. You know, Kiss yeah. with the fire and the costumes and everything and Motley Crue just doing over the top stuff and Tommy Lee doing crazy drum solos on roller coasters or upside down or underwater because he's a yeah. horrible drummer. <laughs> you know, it's, they're compensating. Yeah. I think doing thing. I think doing things like that when somebody says, "Oh, we well, should see the stage show." So yeah, I mean, there's a good chance you could appreciate the stage show, but you're not going to appreciate the stage show that much if you if you're not a huge fan of the music in the first right. place. 
and then like this is like this is just something I could I gotta basically talk about forever, but it's people needing like I, I don't want to be the one standing out there alone liking it by myself. I need everyone to like it to make me feel better about it yeah. or whatever. And it's like, no, I, I think when you get into music, especially as much as we are, it's like everyone in the world can say they hate Pink Floyd. I, I like Pink Floyd. And it's always been something I related to. And I just don't get it personally. But I mean, it's I don't need what I'm getting at is like, I don't need the laser show. I don't need, you know, fire and explosions. I mean, hell. <laughs> I, I love ZZ Top, and they're one of the best shows I've ever seen. And, you know, both times I saw them, it was two stacks of amplifiers and three dudes on the stage, and that was it. I think That's I think the, uh, <laughs> if you're doing it right, the stage show is – and uh, well, I, I have a band to contradict this statement to begin with. The stage show should be the uh, the icing. It's not the cake. Right. If the cake's not good, the icing not going to really help. No, I, I get that. And so going back to Rush, I mean, a lot of their stuff changes from song to song. Like if they if they do the song um, Red Sector A, which is about the Holocaust, um, you know, part of this, I know, deep subject, I'm sorry, but bear with me. There's yeah. There's outlines of people being shown on the projectors behind them, and it's going through like, you know, the beginning of it is going through the hard parts and then the end of it is them being liberated and you see these people running away and like running out towards where the crowd would be and all this kind of stuff. Or there's a song like, um, oh man, not Distant Early Warning, which the laser show for that is really cool. Like there's all these, like the lasers bounce and move around with the music. That kind of stuff I get. If it's taking over and that's the whole reason why you're a fan of the band then i think it becomes a distraction and it's not worth my investment as a fan when i'm probably not going to go to the show the laser show for pink floyd the one that they do that's pink floyd's cousins brothers like somebody always somebody always told me it's like yeah it's done by roger waters maid's son i don't know is this the one the night of the spin doctors incident at that bachelor party what we were in the car driving to or away from was the Pink Floyd show for our buddy. And it was like the late lamest laser show anybody had ever seen. We went and saw a laser show that night. We did. We went and saw laser Floyd at house of blues, Houston. And it was completely lame. Okay. <laughs> so that was this. That's the second time I went to that then because um, this was years ago when I had moved back, when I graduated from college and moved back to Houston, I was living with Jeremy I was dating this uh, this girl, and uh-huh. we went to actually. I got in. A, I got. In, I pissed her off that night because same time. I guess we were trying to. We were in the process of forming the, or trying to get the apostrophes back together. The greatest band in the <laughs> world. Yes, the greatest cover band ever known that ever like, four people have heard <laughs> ever. The greatest band. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bill us right now. We were the betest. The excuse me. The betest. The, the greatest band that never played a show. All right, I'll agree with that. <laughs> well, I think you had brought your drum set over to Jeremy's house and moved it in. Uh-huh. And it's like I made a date with her and I'm leaving. I'm like, I'm looking at everybody setting up and tuning it up. I'm just like, I don't want to go to this anymore. <laughs> and I literally got in the car. It was like, I said it out loud. I go, I'd totally rather stay here. She already bought tickets. She was super excited. 
the night started to take a nosedive right there. But yeah, um, the the laser show, and maybe it was like the one we went to after that for the bachelor party, but I just remember watching it and like certain points during the song when they said something, it literally, whatever they were talking about, even though they were talking about it possibly metaphorically, maybe like just, I don't remember the exact example, but just imagine they were trying to talk about, you know, the sky like metaphorically and then it's just the laser version of like a mario cloud and you're just like <laughs> yes that's yeah. exactly what it was because okay, i remember yeah. sitting there thinking you know um, um you know like they'd, they'd say you know time is going by and then a little clock shoots across the screen that's or exactly it right there. yeah yeah and i remember thinking like is this what the big deal is with laser floyd because i've heard nothing but laser floyd since i was a little kid when the planetarium at the museum used to do it and then yeah. everyone decided this was lame and we're going to leave. And I'm like, well, I just paid $8 for this tall can of beer. So either I'm going to finish it. I'm going to either I'm going to finish it or you guys are going to help me or something. <laughs> yeah, it was. I remember thinking that was really stupid. I'm like, this is what the big deal is with laser Floyd. And it was like more so it was just, you know, it's laser shows at the time because laser were freaking awesome. Freaking yeah. lasers. Freaking lasers. Yeah, no, and like, yeah, so well, Laser Floyd was not worth anything it was printed on. I was no. such a letdown both times. No, I I wouldn't, I don't, honestly, I don't think I'd go to a laser show. Like, if they did Laser Rush, I don't think I'd go. Which, if any band fits a laser show, it's probably Rush. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you, it's just really, it's the, uh, it's the topping on it. It's not, it's not the pie, it's not the cake. It's like, no. you and the the exception to the rule I was going to easily use because I've seen them live, Guar. Oh, Guar is about the show. Guar I've, I've never seen the them, but I mean I've seen videos and stuff, and yeah, well, that I could get. I could. Yeah. yeah, the their whole story was is like they were doing a odious Rex. All the monsters they were battling. Yeah. So there was the Jaeger monster. There was the uh, the you know heroin monster. It's like all these monsters and everything like that they battle, and it's like they were. There was a flame dancer, or topless flame dancers. There were freaking, you know, guys running around shooting fire, wearing a speedo thong, leather speedo thong. There was a fake blood galore. Like, yeah, came out like just covered in fake blood. And it's like I saw them and uh, the misfits minus dancing. So <laughs> that wasn't a bad gig at all by any means. <laughs> I thought they stopped touring after Dave Brocky died, but I guess they kept going. Oh, yeah. But this is like... Uh, but it's no original members. I saw this at the uh, Eyeball Room, the International Ballroom in Houston. So this was probably 1999. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I, I saw him a good way back. I don't have much else that, like, irritates me or makes me mad. I mean, you know, this new folk movement kind of annoys me, but I don't think... I think that's kind of lost some steam, like with uh, Mumford and Sons and bands of the like. Yeah, they kind of kind of changed their. Uh, Are they, they still around? No, yeah, they. Um, I think they they literally kind of said at one point in time, it's like we're just riding out. Like they didn't start it; they just kind of popularized it, if anything like that, or, um, or got basically got at the tip of the tower, and they just did it. And then they're like, I think their next album was like just completely something different. One of the genres they have listed under their Wikipedia page is cowpunk, which I think is an insult to punk rock. I'm just putting that out there. I always feel like I always feel like when they say punk, um, they always when they do that something like that something punk, they're just like, this is a way for you to say that it's 
really cool, but we don't know how to label it. And I'm just like, that's not but what now I'm, is. Now I'm kind of confused because I clicked on the link to Cowpunk and the two bottom bands on the list of two, four, six that are on here is Social Distortion, which I would put them almost underneath like Psychobilly. And yeah, then, Psychobilly makes sense. And then X, the the punk band from L.A. in the 80s. I don't know. Dude, now I'm all confused. So how how is Mumford & Sons the same as X and Social D? That doesn't make any sense to me. Here's a better thought. What's how that? is the Dead Milkman not cowpunk? I'm not familiar with the Dead Milkman. Oh, really? I'm sorry if I upset you. Punk rock girl? Oh, okay. Bitch and Camaro? Bitch and Camaro. Bitch and... Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know I know punk rock girl. Yeah. I was making a terrible dad joke there. Dead milkman punk rock or cow punk. Oh, I get it. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really I sly. It. Just kind of I get it. it. Yeah. You sly dog, you. I got not much else other than like I think we already mentioned some of them like Kiss and stuff like that. Some of the some of the bigger ones and like you know there's I know there's people that will be upset with me for saying I don't like you too. You too doesn't like you too. Uh, there's a whole lot of you too going on there. Past the eighties, like Joshua Tree's cool. Rattle and Hum has stuff on it that I probably like, but no. Anything off the Batman Forever soundtrack is pure gold. <laughs> how many times? I mean, there granted there's some unpublished podcasts, but how many times have we talked about that soundtrack? Uh, if I haven't brought it up, somebody's brought it up. <laughs> it's it's been a couple of times. We got that. We got that. Uh, oh man, you got the Offspring covering the Damned. You've got Flaming Lips. I love that Flaming Lips song, too. That's a good Flaming Lips song. I don't like a lot of Flaming Lips, but that's a good Flaming Lips. Oh, well, of course. Seal, um, the, the song that Something, makes, something, something, kiss from a rose. Yeah, exactly. Kiss from a rose from the grave. Right. It just does make sense. Yeah, no matter what you say, it doesn't make sense. I've, I've got a six-year-old girl, so I watch a lot of kids' movies. The movie, the movie Sing, which, as a music fan, you might appreciate Sing. It's a bunch of animals that are competing in like a, an American Idol type situation. And during the tryouts, there is a lamb that, uh, or a sheep, I guess, that sings Kiss from a Rose. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so, <hold on. laughs> so there's like the big buildup in music. But when he says, when he sings, baby, he he bleats like baby. <laughs> Every time that comes on, my daughter starts cracking up. Like that is funny though. Like to the point where she rewinds it and watches it two or three times. And it's and it's got Matthew McConaughey as a koala bear. Which if Matthew McConaughey is going to be an animal, I feel like it might be a koala bear. Only because his sloth is a little bit slower than Matthew McConaughey. It's right. And actually, <laughs> my wife and I actually had this conversation in the car the other day. About how like it, I feel like he should have been a sloth. Then I started thinking about it after that. I'm like, no, that's a little too slow going for yeah. for old McConaughey. All right, by Lincoln or by a Buick. <laughs> no, no, he was Lincoln. He was Lincoln. Was he Lincoln? He could yeah. he could have sold either of them. He wouldn't have cared. Dude, he could sell me a Fiat or a 
I don't know, what's a notoriously horrible, a Le Car from the 80s. You can sell me a Le Car. Oh, damn it, I just forgot. Uh, no, a Daewoo. <laughs> Daewoo. A Daewoo. 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 I love Daewoo. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> hey, I'm right around this Daewoo. All right. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm looking at this list. There's a Method Man song called The Riddler. On. <laughs> Is this the Batman Forever soundtrack? Uh-huh. Didn't you have this on cassette or something? I think it did. I, I can remember some of the things I've had on cassette, and this is one of them. I think a Weird Al album, uh, the Weezer Blue album, but not really. The, uh, not I had Pinkerton on CD. Weirdly enough, oh, Pinkerton. And then uh, okay, okay, okay. it's one of the other time. Blue album or Pinkerton? Uh, Pinkerton. Thank you. I heard Blue album first, but Pinkerton is the one that like has like. That's that's the freaking like it's so dude that's that album is what Rivers Cuomo was feeling at the time. And you can tell. It's it's raw, it's just done so well and I wish Weezer would have continued down that path rather than the way they wound up because it's all overproduced. Like I feel like everything they've done after that has been just overproduced versions of the Blue album. Well, I know I've mentioned it, mentioned it this to you before and it's like it's my it's my running theory is the everything after Pinkerton is, you know, it's the absence of Matt Sharp and I think yep. Matt Sharp and Rivers Cuomo together is what made Weezer the first two albums really good and everything after that's just done. Yeah. yeah. There's like the first half of the Green album is kind of fun, but Hashpipe like, is where you know that something is about to go wrong. Hashpipe is how you know that yeah. band was going on a bad path. Hashpipe is tolerable. And there's there's a couple of other good songs, or not good, but, you know, songs that I like at the beginning of the Green Album. But, I mean, like, everyone, you know, I've talked to people that are like, oh, you don't like Weezer Pass the Green No. Have you listened to Maladroit? Which I hate that. Don't tell me what I need to listen to if I don't like it. And I tried to listen to Maladroit. I couldn't get two songs into it. I'm like, this is garbage. I just... Well, I got sucked into a, a friend of ours. Uh, uh, I'd say Chris, but we know so many of them. That'd be really hard to say. Chris M. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's, there's your you. shout out, buddy. You'll never listen to this podcast, but there's your shout out. <laughs> Wait, um, this is a podcast? People are listening to this? I hope to God not. <laughs> well, he uh, he told me like they did an album like five or six albums in so maybe like three years ago and it's like it goes like wizard back they found it and like they're back and i'm just like all right right." red one he was very eager and that's the one with the the giant manimal thing walking around okay i know which one you're talking about it it wasn't memorable enough for me to remember but it literally like (laughs) i think the first song that it is an apology where it's like yeah i'm sorry we lost our way we're back and it's like you're not I'm not believing you. You're not pulling this over on me. It's like liars. You make a good album and you're back. Until then, I'm not you know, fuck off. <laughs> like yeah. No, I get that. Yeah, they hold on. So let's see. There's a red album. Is it make believe? No, make believe is basically that could have been called the black album. Uh oh, definitely not the red album. album. I know it has a real name, I know. Gratitude? No, Ratitude's the one with the dog. That's the one with the dog. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Hurley? No, keep going. Everything no, will be all right got, in the end, I think. Or, that one's got that dude on it. And it's just, you know, but I mean, it's... Um, yeah, yeah, it's everything will be all right in the end. Just they stole an album cover. Oh, they did? Well, I'm sure they bought it, but that was on like a post online somewhere of someone that was buying old like landscape 
paintings from Goodwill. <laughs> and painting over it. But they would paint <laughs> monsters into it. It's exactly where they got that from. I remember seeing the album cover. I'm like, oh, they sold this from that thing online. Well, that that guy should be appreciated. Let's let's buy his art. You know, sure. definitely like yeah. I I throw him in there. Weezer is now an overrated how, band. How are they still so popular? Do people not realize they're bad? Well, I mean, I think I think Pinkerton is. Uh, I think it's just one of those things that's like really, really good, really, really good music, really intricate music, design music that tells a really good story that's not poppy is just. You know, if it's poppy and it's catchy, it's gonna keep selling. It just doesn't, it just doesn't blow anybody's mind. It doesn't stay relevant for very long. So right. that's why you know, like, Radiohead's probably done less than ten albums in their entire lifetime, and like Weezer's like going on freaking. Oh, who knows? Weezer an album every two years at, at best, something like that. But and and you know what? For the longest time, I didn't want to listen to Pinkerton because I thought it was garbage. And the reason I probably thought it was garbage is because it never sold when it yeah. came out. And, and it was, you know, forever between Pinkerton and the green one, I guess, was next. And that was early 2000s. Pinkerton came out of what, like 96 or 7? 96. I just never listened to it. And it took me, dude, it was 2002 or 3, I think, before I, I sat down and listened to Pinkerton. And I was in California. I was on a train. And I had just made a copy of that CD from my cousin. And I was listening to that on the train on the way home. And I was like, why have I never listened to this? And it was one of those things where like you listen, you know, you listen to something for like a week straight. It was one of those situations. And it literally is, it literally is a better album. It's so good. And you know what? That's, it's high up on my list of this could be the best album of the nineties, like the entire nineties. There's a couple that I think that could outplace it between, you know, if you were to like to, to take your score and combine historical importance plus music plus you know a third thing and combine those and average amount that could be my number one of the 90s i had to double check and make sure my favorite uh pixies albums were all late 80s which they are so most of them are surprisingly <laughs> yeah surfer rosa and doolittle are two of my favorites yeah. and uh i well, guess uh, trump was the, what is it trump and the, i can never pronounce it sorry pixies can't pronounce their album love you though but you know yeah, no, I mean, like, that could be up there. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe some, maybe a Grain Day album or two in there somewhere. Or... The only other one I would pr- throw in that, like, the battle for the number one spot might be, like, Nevermind. Yeah. And that might be more, as much as I love Nirvana, that might be more historical significance than anything. I mean, the music on it's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it, especially, like, the second half of that album, just, I like that more than the singles. Uh, you know, band, there's songs like Territorial Pissings or um, uh, Lounge Act and things like that. But I feel like it's more of like the historical significance of Nevermind ushering in grunge and alternative music and getting it's, rid uh, of the, the hair band stuff. Yeah, it's it's more it's more the impact than right. the album. It's like because like I would, you know, I would say uh, I would go in Yurder over anything. Oh, the albums I like in your order. It's always been one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. It's like it could stand out a little bit more. Or no, just like our unplugged thing. It's like that was just oof, Man, we should, oof, if we could do a live album ranking. But you know what? Go back and listen to Alice in Chains Unplugged. Oh, yeah. Now, um, I think there was an entire time where me and Jeremy were going back and forth about um, uh, just – unplug sessions because we looked yeah. and they ran for a very long time and 
And some of the ones that never got albums, like the Stone Temple Pilots one is great. The Pearl Jam one's pretty, pretty yeah. fantastic. The but Eric Clapton one. Three. I think oh. he did three. It's two or three. That, that unplugged version of Layla. Oh, man, that's good. <laughs> man, it's good. Oh, yes. All right, man. Are we actually done now? I don't know. I feel like we should be drunk to be done, but might as well take another, a drink. I've got another beer sitting next to me, but I really got to take a leak. So I want to thank my guest, me, and our host, <laughs> me. And uh, Josh did something. I th- did you do something? I think you did something. Well, I was also one thing. I was also a guest, and I was also the other host. Oh well, then you thank me for being here, and I'll thank you for being here. Oh, thanks. Thanks. And, and thanks to me. Well, all out of beer. All out of show. That's all I got. So, good night. Bye, guys.